Today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, Hertz is buying electric cars, Delta is making it easier for groups to sit together on the plane, and Alaska Airlines has an apology. Details next. Tipping on cruise ships has become really easy. But what if you want to tip on your own or not at all? Our Smarter Traveler segment at 320 reminds you not to wait too long to make changes to gratuities the cruise line conveniently adds to your bill. Hearst Castle has been one of California's most unique attractions for years. Flood damage has closed the castle for many months, but now it's opening up and tickets are on sale. Details at 335. Cruise lines are sailing the oceans again. Deals offer you last-minute cancellation and other perks. Cordially yours, travel owner Gwen Duncan joins us to translate the good and the bad at 350. An hour full of great travel information for world wanderers of all ages. Thank you for joining the latest edition of The Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. To Alaska, to go north to Russia's own. again it's mark hoffman and tom romano the travel and entertainment guys on the radio brought to you by sports leisure vacations it's a wonderful sunday thanks for joining us hope you've uh, had yourself a wonderful week ready to kick off another one we're here uh, at the same time slot as your your favorite guy john mcginnis so john mcginnis every every day except for sundays mm-hmm. that's, that's it when, that's when we're here that's when we're here, by golly. Yeah. Mark, good to see you. Uh, you had a pretty good week. Uh, you got a chance to head to Washington uh, for I did. a little travel advocacy time. Tell me a little bit about it. Well, you know, once we used to do this once a year before COVID, so it was nice to go back to, to doing it. it. It's Really, everybody should, at least once in their life, be a citizen lobbyist for a day. Because, first of all, you, not in every country can you do this. Uh, can you petition your government in person, um, go to the seat of government and go to the people that, that make the decisions and their staff and say, look, this is what we I would like for you to support. The great thing about travel is that we tend to be somewhat bipartisan in our asks and our needs. So our our support tends to come from both sides of the aisle and our op- opposition tends to come from both sides of the aisle so it makes it a lot easier particularly in today's political environment to be able to go in and say would you support this it won't kill anybody it probably won't cost you any votes um it might get you a few few bo- votes depending on how important travel and hospitality is in your in the area where you are where people vote for you but uh it it's it's interesting. We had the opportunity to, uh, of course, Sacramento has represented the area by two Congress people, Doris Matsui and Ami Berra, who both happen to be Democrats. Um, our state senators are Democrats. 
Um, not that that really matters. Again, a whole heck of a lot. But um, big crowd of Californians went to Diane Feinstein's office, 25 or so. Um, we dropped in at, at Doris Matsui's and Anami Barra's just to talk about some things that are important to us, some of the summer visa programs that allow temporary workers to come into the country and staff summer resorts and the like who really need that staffing, especially now that workers are kind of short in short supply. So making sure that that happens for the year and just alerting them to some of the other things that are that are on our plate that are important right now. It was fun being in Dr. Barra's office because it was the morning after the Fox incident. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he was walking across the Capitol grounds and got nipped by uh, a fox who was defending her her den, which had some little baby foxes there. And um, so the doctor, Bear, had already gone and gotten a rabies shot, apparently, or whatever it is that you do that morning, um, which turned out to be well done because the fox turned out to be rabid and was put to sleep. But anyway, it was fun to be there, and he walked in just as we were finishing up uh, our appointment with his staff, and so we got a chance to uh, interchange a little bit. He always has a smile on his face, and he's always a pleasant guy to uh, to talk to. He may or may not agree with you uh, with what you have to say, but at least he's pleasant about it. And I find that with most of the staff on Capitol Hill. And it's a little different than it used to be. It's there's more security now, and uh, not every you know the COVID thing. Some offices are letting people in without masks, and some are not. And so it's a little different atmosphere. There aren't as many citizen lobbyists in Washington D.C., but it was really entertaining. And we got an opportunity to check out a couple of new places to put on. Uh, sports leisure trips to Washington D.C. in the future, so it was a fruitful trip, and it was. It, it's always, uh, uh, to me, it it means something to be able to go and do that for a day and walk past uh, walk past past the Capitol at the end of the day, um, back to your hotel and feel like that again. That you know you live in a country where you can, where you can stand up and say, "This is what I would like for you to do as my representatives." They may or may not do it. But at least you had the chance to have your say. All right. Good report. It's the Travel Guys, Mark and Tom, uh, every Sunday, 3 o'clock. Don't forget TravelGuysRadio.com. Links to our special guests and lots of information to make you a smarter traveler. At the top of the program uh, each week, we bring you up to date on the travel news. And with it, here's Mark. And this came in just this morning. San Francisco Fisherman's Wharf landmark Alioto's Restaurant closes permanently. Oh, boy. We lost about half of the restaurants down on the wharf um, during COVID, and some of them made it through the first wave, some of them made it through the second wave, and, you know, then we had a third wave. And anyway, Alioto's Restaurant is closing for good. It started out as a fish stand in 1925. Um, and... Uh, it was uh, the, became the first building on the wharf to sell Dungeness crab and shrimp cocktails. I am going to miss that place because every time I walked by it, I, depending on the season, uh, it was Dungeness crab or shrimp cocktail uh, time. It uh, the restaurant served soldiers during World War II. Aliotos uh, on Fisherman's Wharf is gone forever. That's- that's, that's sad news. The, yeah, you know, it, there was the, the legacy there. I can't imagine that somebody wouldn't, uh, you know, bring something to that space uh, in in honor of. I guess we'll just wait and see. 
Can you imagine what the rent must be down <laughs> per square foot down oh there God. on the war? Yeah, so yeah. that's the thing. It, you know, if you're going to go in there now, you're gambling, of course, that uh, everything will come back. And it will come back fairly quickly or that you have a lot of money in your pocket. Anyways, uh, Congress has draft, drafted legislation for a nat- national, I'll say this, for a national no-fly list. We've been talking about this for a couple of months. Delta Airlines uh, CEO first proposed it. Our buddy Chris Elliott a couple of weeks ago told us that, yeah, he was kind of not maybe in favor of it. And I kind of sort of agree with him. I'm not sure I want the government keeping a list of why of people who should not fly maybe um the airlines could all keep them and you know share them or something like that but anyway legislation has been drafted it's bipartisan legislation so we'll keep an eye on it and let you know what happens about that in the future speaking of the government the faa is seeking to levy the largest civil fines ever $160,000 in penalties against two passengers who disrupted flights last year uh, one p- a passenger who hit an American flight attendant on the head. And uh, the second incident is also involved. These are both women um, who tried to open a cabin door on a Delta Airlines flight. Um, she also bit another passenger before she was oh, restrained. Yeah. So um, what are these people eating or drinking or before they get on the plane? I mean, I, that makes them so difficult to get along with. My goodness. Spirit Airlines has gone from being the dog meat of airlines, I say with a smile on my face and love in my heart, um, to being the most popular kid on the block. Not only does Frontier Airlines want to merge with them, but JetBlue now wants to buy them. So, um, and why? I have no idea. I watched the JetBlue CEO talk on CNBC last week about why they would do this. And when I got when he got done, I was said to myself, what did he just say? JetBlue has been known for being an airline that's just a little bit better than some of the others, legroom, some of their policies and things like that. Uh, they don't do a lot of service out of Sacramento, a couple flights to Long Beach and uh, uh, an overnighter to New York City. But uh, nonetheless, a, a pretty well-liked airline by the people who fly it. But uh, now JetBlue says, we're going to take this airline spirit and make it mm-hmm. part of what we do. And I'm not sure exactly how that works, but if you own stock in Spirit Airline, you got to be happy because you've got two different airlines now chasing you down the street. Well, if JetBlue brings their culture to Spirit, uh, then instead of being, you know, a couple of crappy airlines turning into one mm-hmm. even worse airlines, then maybe the JetBlue influence will uh, turn Spirit into. Uh, something that uh, is is yeah. user-friendly and, is a, uh-huh. it, you know, might yeah. be a good thing. There's another possibility that yeah. could go the other way, and Spirit could drag JetBlue into the thickening vat of airlines that no one would ever really consider flying on. Um, you know, that, that, that's a possibility, of course. Speaking of JetBlue, they have, you know, everybody is still short uh, people, so JetBlue says uh, it's going to be busy this spring. And they've offered their flight attendants who have perfect attendance in April and May a $1,000 bonus, according to a company message seen by CNBC. So good for good for those folks. Delta Airlines, we said in the headlines, is making it easier for groups to sit together on planes. This is groups of more than two people. If you are two people, you are not considered a group. 
so you don't fall into this category. But what Delta is doing is setting aside seats, groups of blocks of seats on the plane in both their Delta Comfort and their regular coach section so that if you're traveling with five other people and you make reservations reasonably in advance, there's a pretty good chance that they will say, hey, you know what? The six of you can all sit together here, or you're traveling with a bunch of kids, a couple of kids, uh, way too many kids, whatever it is, you can get seats together so that you can keep those children from bothering other people on board the aircraft and keep them under control and all those wonderful things that parents do when they're traveling with children. So congratulations to Delta Airlines for being the first to recognize that Alaska Airlines had a bunch of flights canceled last weekend, we told you in the travel news, because they had a dispute with their pilots, and the pilots decided to picket at several airports, and it caused the cancellations of cancellation of 50 or 60 flights. Alaska Airlines officials came out Friday and apologized for what happened and said, we're going to fix this. We're Whatever's wrong with labor-wise, we're going to fix it, and this is not going to happen again. What a refreshing way to do things of course it might all be corporate bs but at least it sounds good the first time that you do it and people might actually believe you if you you know if you deliver on on what you have to say hertz is purchasing sixty-five thousand electric vehicles they say so now the really bad service that hertz gives to customers on cars that run on fossil fuels will probably carry over and they'll give equally bad service to people who are renting an electric vehicle so that's at Hertz. Everybody is equal. So anyways, Hertz is going to get some electric vehicles. Make sure before you rent one that you know where you're going to charge it um, and how much it's going to cost you. Some places are now starting to charge for charging electric vehicles. This is going to be a revenue source for hotels and the like down the road. You of course, watch this. Of course. Of yeah, course. Yeah, you watch this. Yeah, Happiest no cities. Charge. 20 happiest cities in America. Tom, want to take a gander at what the happiest city is in America? I will give you a clue. It's a California city. Well, I'm glad uh, that you narrowed it down. All right. A happiest city. Happiest city. Happiest city. Will it have to be where the happiest place on earth is? Anaheim. Ah, that's number 20. There are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10... California cities ahead of Anaheim, including the number one city. Anyone want to gander another guess? Uh, San Diego. San Diego. Well, that's an excellent guess. San Diego is 10th on the happiest cities list. Can, the happiest, the yeah, happiest city in the country. Yeah. Fremont, California. No, man. Yeah, well, and listen, San Francisco is this is, wallet hub? It is. San Francisco. I'm starting is, to worry about them. Is third. San Jose is fourth. Irvine is fifth. Huntington Beach is a sixth. Columbia, Maryland is second. That's the highest non-California rate. Um, they judge by uh, depression rate. Pearl City, Hawaii, by the way, has the lowest depression rate. Huntington, West Virginia, is the highest. Uh, Newark, New Jersey has the lowest number of suicides, um, which is 6.8 times lower than Rapid City, which has the highest number of suicides. So you can start to see some of the criteria that they use for deciding. Uh, Fremont, California, one of the reasons it got the number one slot, has the lowest separation and divorce rate. 
hmm. in the country, 9.2%, which is 4.4 times lower than, in, than Cleveland. The city, it's the highest at 40%. So if you get married in Fremont, your chances of getting divorced or separated are 1 in 11. If you get married or div- in Cleveland, your chances of the same fate is 1 in 2.5. <laughs> so, oh, um, Burlington, Vermont has the lowest share of adults sleeping less than seven hours a night. So people <laughs> sleep the best in Burlington, Vermont. Cheyenne, Wyoming has the lowest average commute time. So you can see what some of, that's how they, they determined the happiest city. And, you know, I'd like to tell you that I looked on the list and saw where Sacramento fall, fell out of 180 cities, and I didn't. Ugh. Maybe I'll do that and get back to you next week. Um, anyways, okay. and that is, sir, your travel news for today. Smarter travelers. Road tripping with my two favorite It is Mark and Tom, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. If, you, uh, if you've ever been on a cruise, uh, that's the common thing, I guess. I haven't been on one, but you, Mark, you and Gwen have talked a lot about it. There's these... Uh, for your convenience, mm-hmm. to make it convenient for mm-hmm. you, they they blob on the gratuity uh, onto your onto your bill. Yep. And uh, and and then a lot of people probably don't pay attention to that. Is there a standard amount that they will will put on? It's fairly common. It's in the fifteen to twenty dollar range per person per day. Each cruise line has a, a different. Yeah, you know, different number, and they are—they're good. They'll tell you that this is going to happen beforehand. It's not a, a huge secret, but what happens is that uh, some people forget about it. In the old days, it was kind of fun because you, at the end of the cruise, you know, at dinner the last night, you'd say, "So, how much are you going to, you know, how how good has your service been? What are you going to tip?" and and you know, people would you'd kind there'd kind of be a meeting of the minds at the table. Well, you know, I'm going to tip. $50 to the cabin steward and you know somebody else would say well my cabin steward has just been incredible so I'm going to tip 75 and somebody else would say well you know mine hasn't been quite so good so the suggested number is about 40 bucks so that's what I'm going to go with and so there was you know and when you gave it to this to the to the person the next time you saw them before you got off the ship I mean if you tipped well why you always got a nice smile and a thank you and you you felt like you'd done something of course if you didn't tip well why then I suppose you got ignored for the last <laughs> 12 to 24 hours but it was a different situation now it's kind of like okay um I do my job I do it well I'm automatically because the cruise ship is flagged in a foreign country that allows it to skirt a lot of labor laws and pay really minimal wages to its staff so they have to depend on gratuities. So what happens is you are paying, you're paying part of the cruise line staff's salaries mm-hmm. because they pay so low. And the reason they get away with paying so low is because they're flagged in these goofy countries, Nigeria and all of this stuff. Or so, Texas. Uh, yeah. By the way, you, you don't tip along the way. Is there you don't. opportunities? You you. you you, you don't. It's everything is put onto your bill. Now, the only exception would be is if you're in the bar and you're buying, you know, cocktails, then they generally add an 18 to 20 percent gratuity each time that you that you make a purchase. But for your cabin steward and your waiters and waitresses and other people on board that are serving you, if you go into the spa 
and you and you have a service there where then there's going to be a, a, a standard added gratuity. You can get those gratuities taken off your bill, or you can go and say, hey, you know, I'd like it to be a little higher. The service has been great. Or I'd like it to be a little lower because this hadn't been up to par. Whatever it is, you can do that. But be careful because a lot of times the cruise lines don't give you a final bill until the night before or the morning that you're getting off the ship. Um, line can be long at the front desk to get uh, bills adjusted. My suggestion to folks is go to the front desk a couple of days or the morning before you're getting off the ship. Ask to see a copy of your bill. It's likely that the cruise gratuities will already be posted. And then at that time, you can say, you know, I'd like for this to be more or I'd like for it to be less or whatever you want to do. If you get off the ship and you don't tell them what you want, it's already a done deal. So doing it afterwards won't work. You're seeing this also, this for your convenience crap, um, which is for the convenience of the people who are getting the gratuities. doesn't have anything to do with the convenience of the customer. But you'll see this for your convenience stuff showing up in a lot of places. And when you see the words for your convenience and you're in a gratuity situation and you're you're a consumer, um, hold on to your wallet because they're coming for your money. Now, um, you... A lot of cruises, they have the all-inclusive. You pay X amount, and, of course, it doesn't include everything. There'll be a lot of things, uh, perhaps certain meals. Obviously, beverages may not be included. Uh, So the the tip or the the gratuity is going to be for anything uh, beyond the price of of your original purchase of the cruise? Yes, a few cruise lines will include gratuities in the price of the of the cruise, but most do not. It's kind of like a resort fee. You know, it's if you add it on at the end, it doesn't look like it's it, it doesn't inflate the price of the trip and people say, "Oh, well, you know, a couple $300 for gratuities, of course. I was I would have expected that." But it's just it's the way it's done, of course. It's done at the last minute, and it's not really subterfuge, but it's done in a way that really makes it difficult for you to make any changes. So just on a cruise ship, beware. And anywhere else that you see, we've done this for your convenience. It means that they've already decided that their service is worthy of this gratuity, and you're paying it up front. So if you decide you don't want to pay it, make sure you let somebody know. It's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Now, links to our special guest, including the one we're about to speak with, can be found at TravelGuysRadio.com. One of my favorite uh, destinations along the coast for a lot of years. Uh, you know, I'd go every few years because it seemed fresh almost every time was the infamous Hearst Castle. From what I understand, uh, it's just recently reopened. They redid the roads, and we got a special guest. We're going to talk all about it. Mark, introduce our guest from Hearst Castle today. Well, Tom, you're correct. Um, Hearst Castle, for many, many, many years, certainly all of my 40 years in the tour business, has been a favorite destination for people not only from California but from other places, not only because of the castle but because of where it is at a spectacular spot on the California coast, and the castle has been closed for a while, but it is about to reopen soon. And so with us is Dan Fallett. Dan is a superintendent for California State Parks. Dan, welcome to the Travel Guys. Oh, thank you, guys. I appreciate uh, you guys taking the time, and it's a pleasure to be here. Well, Dan, I admit I have a, an extra interest in this because Hearst Castle's made me a lot of money over the years and made a lot of my customers happy. 
So the fact that it's about to reopen is uh, a very good thing. Um, so tell tell us why did the castle close, and when uh, w- when is the reopening date? Well, the original uh, closure date was uh, March sixteenth of uh, twenty twenty. So it's been a uh, a long road. Uh, unfortunately, it's the longest time that the castle has been closed uh, since it became a historical monument with California State Parks. But uh, thankfully, um, you know, with uh, with a lot of work and effort, uh, we were able to uh, reopen it, and we're getting ready to do that on uh, May eleventh. For folks who have not uh, who have not been to the castle before. Um, it sits up on a hill, on a pretty good size hill, and it, the, the way it works is you make a reservation in advance and get a timed ticket, and when your time comes, you get on the bus and head up the hill. Now, Dan, my understanding was the, the reason the castle had to close was because that road going up and down the hill to the castle started to give way in some spots. It did. Unfortunately, the original closure was due to uh, the pandemic, which uh, has affected all of us. But then uh, during that time, uh, we sustained about 20 inches of rain uh, over a a very short window of time. And that impacted all of the uh, upper portion of the road, uh, which has about 27 different culverts. Uh, It's the top of a watershed. And unfortunately, that road uh, and those and those culverts were uh, uh, you know, old and had been damaged. So uh, we went up there and uh, have put the road back together and uh, replaced it. And uh, we're we're still in the midst of that. But uh, by May 11th, we're uh, looking forward to welcoming uh, all the visitors, as you pointed out, not only from California and the U.S., but also from around the world. It's a it's a worldwide treasure, and uh, we're glad to uh, welcome our visitors back. Dan, for those that may not uh, know much about Hearst Castle, I'm sure you you know quite a bit. Can you give us just a thumbnail sketch uh, in regards to the history of the castle? Uh, I I know when I went, the thing that was most amazing was that everything there was was literally imported uh, and carried up that crappy road uh, and built there. Well, give us a give us a little overview. Well, it is a, a beautiful property. It is uh, William Randolph Hearst's estate. It was uh, given to the state in 1956. That's where he was able to realize his dream. And as you pointed out, it's it's not only a, a world, world-renowned world house museum, but it's also uh, architecturally uh, designed by Julia Morgan and Hearst uh, collectively. Um, and we are celebrating that 100th anniversary of that of the castle and the grounds. What we allow folks to do is basically experience a piece of history, and it's a piece of history that you won't find anywhere else in the world. Now, I understand for those that have been there in the past that they're opening up a new area or there are some new exhibits. Tell me about that. Yeah, we've uh, as part of that 100th uh, anniversary celebration, uh, my staff, who's uh, a dedicated group of folks, was able to uh, develop a new tour in honor of Julia Morgan and and what she was able to accomplish along with Mr. Hurst. And really, we were able to now open up a semi-private tour that showcases some areas of the castle that have never been uh, really seen that often and have never really been open to the public on this scope. So we wanted to welcome the visitors back and give them the opportunity to experience a portion of the castle that they've never seen, even if you've been there multiple times. So, Dan, there for folks who have never been to the castle before, um, as I mentioned, you buy tickets in advance, you take the bus up the hill. The tours are about two hours. Previously, Dan, there were, if I'm recalling correctly, about three different options 
for tours, so it sounds like you've added at least one more here. If you haven't been to the castle before, my suggestion is that you take the general tour um, to start with and then peel off to others. Um, there are accommodations. You can stay in San Simeon. Of course, you can stay in San Luis Obispo and, and other nearby um, communities. Dan, give folks a, an idea of what a tour of the castle is going to cost and how long in advance they need to consider making reservations. The tours range anywhere from one hour to uh, two hours, which the Morgan tour is a two-hour tour. Um, they take you in different levels and different uh, locations throughout the castle. You know, there is quite a number of steps throughout the castle. So depending on the tour, we've, we've, uh, you know, when folks go to make reservations, we encourage them to kind of read the descriptions and, and pick the one that's best for them. But as you said, the Grand Rooms tour, which is our general tour, basically takes you on that introductory level and kind of gives you the broad overview of the castle and kind of the main lower floors. And then we take you throughout. We have four primary tours, and then we have the specialized tours, which includes the Julia Morgan tour, which is there's about three of those. I was going to say there are from time to time there are special. You guys used to do uh, some really special things at Christmas time, so hopefully those will be back on the on the schedule this year. What is it? What is a tour of the castle? One of uh, of the tours uh, cost folks, Dan. Uh, the entry tour is thirty dollars, and they range from thirty to a hundred dollars. The four main tours run thirty dollars, and and folks who've been in the castle before, you know, may see a slight price change in some of those with those general tours. Dan, for folks who want to visit the castle, um, starting the eleventh of May, when do tickets go on sale? Tickets just went on sale uh, Thursday, March thirty first. So uh, reservations are now open. Folks can go in and uh, pick their tours and uh, begin planning their trip. Outstanding. Here, here you have a place where you couldn't make reservations until now. Your reservation system, I'm, I'm guessing, is probably in the process of blowing up since. When folks find out that that one of the favorite spots in California they can go to is now reopened, I don't think you're going to have any problem selling tickets. Dan, thank you very much. I know a tour operator in Sacramento who will be back in the fall or perhaps at Christmas uh, time. So congratulations on uh, getting the road fixed and the castle back open. And, uh, and congratulations on being able to be a part of what is really a cool uh, California landmark. Thank you very much for your time today. All right. Thank you, guys. We look forward to seeing you. Hearst Castle, one of the best places to visit. Absolutely. One of the best places to visit in California. Even if you don't like castles or William Randolph Hearst or anything like that, it's a beautiful spot. Beautiful spot. Truly is. Uh, just the <laughs> just the trip up the road to the castle. You know, it's it's amazing what they did. When you see it, and if you've never been, when you, if you go, uh, you'll see... I don't know. Uh, you'll see artwork. You'll see statues, uh, swimming pools, and and stuff that was all here here again. Cre- brought up this hill from other countries and turned into this uh, amazing, amazing lo- location. The interesting thing is the Hearst family ended up donating it to uh, the state of California uh, to be used as a. Uh, as a state park. Yep. Really? And if you and even if you think, which is was me, even if you think I have absolutely no interest in the kind of things you were talking about, statues and pieces of art and stuff like that, you go there and the guides are so good, they do such a great job of telling the story that they weave it all together and you leave and you're like, "Wow. Um, a good thing that we scheduled two of the tours because and that's the deal. If you're going to Hearst Castle, don't just do the one tour. 
Um, make sure that you you do the main tour and then pick another one so that you you know take the time spend at least 24 36 hours there there's lots of there's some great little hotels in San Simeon that are not too expensive hey before we go to the break here and then come back and talk to Gwen Duncan I have one piece of information to share 49th that's the spot Sacramento is on the happiest cities in the country we are 49th remember Fremont 49th. is first and we are we are 49th out of 180. That's not so bad. <laughs> I still uh, question Wallet Hub's uh-huh. method of uh, of fi- figuring this out. But there we go. Yep, it, it's all for entertainment. It is. It is. Gwen Duncan <laughs> is going to update us on what the cruise lines are up to. Some of their promotions. Is there some good there? Some bad there? She'll separate it all for us. Barcelona, I still long to hold her. Hey there, it's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, the Travel and Entertainment Guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Remember, links to our special guests and more are at TravelGuysRadio.com. We talk a lot about uh, cruises on uh, this radio program, and uh, when we get ready to dig deeply into the cruise world, we call on our expert, Gwen Duncan, with Cordially Yours Travel. Uh, Cruises and booking cruises for people is one of her specialties. Gwen, welcome again to the Travel Guys. Well, thank you, Tom. Look forward to this. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are seeing these ads and stuff being thrown around about uh, booking cruises. And, of course, one of the key things is being able to cancel within 48 hours, you're hearing. Uh, all kinds of offers coming out. And so people are thinking, well, you know, it's time to get back to cruising. I, I like this 48-hour cancellation kind of thing, way different than what it used to be. And we thought we'd come to you to get some clarity here as to what is going on with these uh, cruise lines that are offering amazing refunds for their their cruises. Can you uh, help our listeners out explain what's going on? Well, I sure will give you a shot. <laughs> what is happening is that uh, the cruise lines, uh, in a competitive nature, have uh, tried to come up with something to entice people to continue cruising, considering what we've gone through in the last two years. Uh, so they've come up with things. They have different uh, cruise lines call it different things, but the most common one is cruise with confidence. And that allows people to cancel um, as close as 48 hours before departure. Now, what that doesn't mean you get your money back, but it does relieve the tension and stress from worrying about getting a positive COVID test and not being able to board um, board the ship. And then what, are you, what do you do? Well, you get your money back and, and money for a future cruise. Each cruise line does things differently, and it's just real important to look at the fine print. And it's just real important that you understand that you're not going to get a cash refund. And the rules of each cruise line's requirements or protocol, I call them COVID protocols. Right. Now, the bottom line is, as we've mentioned in Mark mentions all the time, do your homework. Uh, and in, in many cases, you're going to need somebody like you to dig through these 60, 80, 100 pages of uh, fine print in regards to uh, what the rules are. Uh, Gwen, we've talked about this before. When you get ready to book a cruise, there'll be some guidelines. There'll be some rules uh, that, uh, that you have to follow, what the deal is. Now, at the time that you book the cruise, uh, they're one thing, and then two weeks later when you get ready to travel or two months later it may have changed which ones are the ones that uh, they hold you to when you book or when you cruise 
generally it's when you book. Um, they will have caveats every time they come up, and they do come up with almost daily the different cruise lines will make a change in some policy or procedure. And sometimes they'll say, if you book before and they'll give you a certain date, then that then it's effective from that date forward. And so they'll be a little bit more specific for you. But generally, the rules cover from the date that you booked, and any changes could affect the pricing and everything. So with that being said, uh, you know, uh, how often are people buying uh, the cruise insurance, and is it a good deal? When you're buying insurance from the cruise lines, it's not age-based, so it sounds like it's really, really a good deal, but it does uh, limit you on what you're going to get. If you, Some of them have different levels, like low level and high level, and the higher level is going to get you a cash refund. The lower one will get you the credit. Our guest here on The Travel Guy is Gwen Duncan with Cordially Yours Travel. She is our cruise expert. Gwen, are people coming back or are the cruise lines uh, filling up? Are you getting a lot of phone calls? Are you booking folks? There are people just itching. And like I told Mark, um, I call it COVID fatigue. People are just so anxious to go somewhere and do something. that. uh, And now things have gotten looser with the cruise lines uh, and the tour operators. So it makes it a lot easier to um, uh, say yes to the cruise, you know, or yes to your trip. So, yeah, business has picked up, and I'm thrilled. (laughs) All right. Well, well, Gwen, with that being said, uh, any final advice that you have to our listeners that are interested in cruising? Is it better to uh, book now? How far out? Uh, What advice do you have for future cruisers? Well, the, the advice I have now is that the, a lot of the ads that are coming out, and, and there are a lot of great promotions. Some of them are better than others. But um, whenever you see one uh, that looks good, it's, it, they're date sensitive. And so you'll want to grab it right away. All right. Gwen Duncan, our cruise expert here, joining us on the uh, Travel Guys. Again, if you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you'll find a, a link to Gwen. Gwen, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Gwen Duncan, Cordially Yours Travel, our uh, gal we go to for cruise information uh, and and all in regards to uh, uh, travel. Gwen has been with the Travel Guys for quite some time, but more importantly, she's been in the... uh, There's a new name for it now. They're no longer travel agents. They are travel consultants. Where's Mark? He stepped away from in the studio. Let me... Let me round him up here. Hey, Mark, if you're there, we're, we're back on the radio if you want to join us, okay? <laughs> anyway, so, you know, I, I think the, the thing to take, the takeaway from Gwen's interview is, again, like a lot of things we talk about, is to read the fine print, make sure that you realize uh, what it is that you're getting yourself into. These cancellation policies are... Very specific. A lot of folks are looking to perhaps get a cash refund, but you're going to get a cruise credit. Sometimes the cruise credits will amount to maybe 125%, an increase in um, in value over what you originally spent uh, for that cruise ticket. That might work out pretty good for you as long as they don't bump up the price of everything along the way, depending on when you finally decides to uh, use your voucher and uh, and but but anyway read the fine print and you'll 
will have it all figured out. By the way, I was uh, in Disneyland not too long ago. I want to take a minute and share with you a couple of tips if you're going. One of the things you want to do is go to the Disney website and take a look at all the different ways that they sell tickets. Because if you're going to buy passes, there are many, many options. Some are less expensive. Uh, Those that are more expensive are the ones that are going to get you to the front of the line sooner. They're going to get you to some of the more popular rides a lot easier, especially if you're going anytime during the spring break, which is still going on. I don't know, Mark, uh, how long does spring break actually last? It uh, seems, to, it seems like it starts in, you know, Easter January. Is, and Easter is late this year, so spring break still has another week to go. So plan ahead. Do your homework again. Go to the website and take a look at the options and pick the one that's uh, best for you. The reason Disney came up, I was just talking with, uh, with Mark a little earlier about... Uh, when my next adventure is going to be, I, I really want to see Sports Leisure Vacations have Tom uh, take a group of travelers to Disneyland at some time in the future. But he always looks the other way when I talk about it. <laughs> hey, listen, um, uh, bonus bonus smarter traveler idea here. Um, well, if you're going on a cruise, we've talked a lot about cruises on the program today. If you're going on a cruise, um, one of the best ideas you can have is always go a day early. Always go a day early. Even if your hotel stay, you know, if you've got a pre-night before your cruise goes, add another night. You'll you'll save yourself all of that worry about am I going to get there on time and all that jazz. One of the best ideas for going cruising, I mean, unless it's something leaving from Los Angeles, and then still I would still say just add an extra night to your stay ahead of time, and you will resolve a whole lot of issues that could happen because let's face it if you're coming home it's a lot easier than when you're, you're when you're, you've got to make that ship you've got to make it before it sails when you're coming home if you're a day late it may not in change your life some great things that are on travelguysradio.com want to tell you about um if you would like to know what the on-time statistics are for any of the major airlines we've posted a link there um, if you're a person who travels with firearms or you know someone who does or might be considering it, you can travel with firearms on airplanes. There are rules. TSA has has rules for them of how you have to secure the firearm. Of course, you can't take it in the cabin. That A link to that is at TravelGuysRadio.com. And here's something kind of fun. Um, this is All of these are from our friends at Travelers United. Where you can buy things confiscated by TSA and lost by passengers. Oh, my gosh. So so what's the ultimate airline flea market? And, uh, of course, there's a place in Alabama where the lost luggage ends up, but there's some other information. If you go to TravelGuysRadio.com, you can find a link that will take you uh, and tell you how you can buy and bid on things that have been confiscated by the TSA or that people have left on airplanes along the way. Mark, uh, what's the most valuable thing you ever lost or left behind on an airplane? Oh, we've only got like a minute. This is a quick story. I think this is since the travel guys have been on the air. I left an iPad on a United plane in Chicago. An employee stole it, took it home with them because I had a tracking device on it. They were able to figure out where it was, got it back for me. I don't know what ultimately happened to the employee, but I did file a charge against them. So uh, that's the craziest story for me leaving an ipad on the plane and having it being stolen by somebody uh it worked for the airline taking it home and then having the authorities reclaim it 
All right. What do we got next week on the Travel Guys? We're taking people flight seeing in San Francisco and the trans, uh, the tr- the people who run the theater in Napa, whose name escapes me right now. Transcendental Theater. Yes, you think? I don't think you got it I right. But anyway, there's a great theater group in Napa. They'll be on with us next week here on the Travel Guys. All right, my friends, you stay well. We'll see you next time. Mark, final word. Ah, uh, be dancing like nobody is watching.